Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church in Jersey. So Psalm 103 and verse 7 says, God made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the children of Israel. God made known his ways to Moses and his acts to the children of Israel. So who is Moses? Moses is that figure who led the children of Israel out of captivity through the wilderness and into the promised land. Moses, the great figure. We know him. He's an amazing guy. At the age of 80, he started that journey. 40 years, he wandered around in the wilderness with them. And then he, they went in and he didn't go in at the age of 120. That's Moses. And it says that God made known his ways to Moses, but his acts to the children of Israel. In other words, all those people following, hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of people following, going through the wilderness and all the different miracles they saw, the Red Sea opening, the plagues in Egypt, the water out of the rock, the quail for food, the manna, the bread in the desert, the victories over enemies, opening the Jordan River. They saw the acts of God and Moses saw the ways of God. What's the difference? My mom was a TV and radio celebrity in her day. She's been dead for many years now, but in her day, she was famous. She was in newspapers, magazines, radio, TV. People knew her as a celebrity. They would listen to her shows and they would watch her on TV and they would talk about her and there were articles written about her. And many people knew her acts, the things she did. They would think they knew her, but I knew her ways because she was my mum. Amen? I knew her ways. I knew what made her tick. I knew when she was down and when she was up. On the radio and TV, she always sounded up. But I knew the real person. I saw the real life of that person. And the Bible says that Moses knew God's ways. And as a result, he did many of the deeds, the acts that the children of Israel saw. So when the Red Sea parted, Moses is standing there. He's new to this. He's got the stick, the rod of God in his hand, and he knows he's got to get away from the Egyptian soldiers. He's got to get through the Red Sea. He's not sure what's going on. The children of Israel are whining and crying. Oh, we're going to die. It's terrible. Moses says, just stay still. Don't worry. The Lord will fight for you. And as soon as he says that, this is in Exodus 14, verse 14. God says, why are you crying out to me, Moses? Stretch out your hand with the rod. The Red Sea will part. I'm asking you to do it. Don't ask me to do it. And Moses was learning how God works. The ways of God, the character, the nature, the, the practices, the principles that God operates within, the laws and, and boundaries and paradigms and everything about God and his nature and his way of working. Moses was learning that. And all the time in, in Moses' heart and mind, there's this learning process going on. He's working with God. He's talking to God. He's learning sometimes I must act. Sometimes I must ask God to act. I'm learning what God wants, what he doesn't want. The children of Israel aren't seeing any of that. All they see 
is Moses says, don't worry, God will fight for you. Moses stretches out his hand, the Red Sea opens, they go through. And this happened again and again and again. Water out of the rock. The children of Israel, oh, we're going to die. Water comes out of the rock. Oh, we're going to die. Manna comes in the desert. Oh going to die. The Amalekites are beaten when Moses is learning how to hold up the rod of God. And all of these times throughout that 40 year process, the children of Israel are seeing the results, the actions, the acts of God. The sword, because we're doing a sermon series, Seeds and Swords. They're seeing the sword, the action, the outer result But Moses is seeing the seed, the inner thing that's going on and that's producing the sword. And the reason we're talking about this is because there are many people today who are seeing or have seen the acts of God. And they think they know God because he's healed their body or he's answered a prayer or they've seen him miraculously provide finance or they've been in a church service where they sensed the power of God and they've seen the act, but they don't know God. And the children of Israel who saw the acts of God, who saw powerful miracles, did not enter the promised land. They died in the wilderness But Moses entered in. Well, he actually didn't, but he entered into heaven. And we don't know about the others. Hebrews 4 indicates they didn't get into heaven because they knew the acts, but they didn't know the ways. They knew the swords, but they didn't know the seeds. Whereas Moses, because he knew the ways and the seeds, he was involved in the acts and the swords. God worked through him and involved him in it. And it's a wonderful, beautiful challenge for us. So I'm going to turn to Exodus chapter 33. I encourage you to follow with me in your Bible if you have it. It starts and it says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Depart and go up from here. This is at Mount Sinai where the Ten Commandments were being given. Do you remember the mountain shook? There was lightning. There was a dark cloud. There was thunder and earthquake. I mean, it was a big event. The acts, the the outward signs of God, everybody saw, but Moses got close to God. And it said, God said, depart and go up from here, you and the people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt, to the land of which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, to your descendants I will give it. And I will send my angel before you, and I will drive out the Canaanite, the Amorite, the Hittite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, the Jebusite. Go up to a land flowing with milk and honey, For I will not go up in your midst, lest I consume you on the way. For you are a stiff-necked people. And when the people heard this bad news, they mourned, and no one put on his ornaments. Do you see what happened here? God had promised them and brought them out of Egypt and said, I will go with you. But the children of Israel had been so disobedient that God said, I'm not going to go with you anymore. I'll send an angel and I'll still help you get into the promised land and I'll still bless you and you'll still beat all those enemies. But I'm not going with you because there's a danger that if you keep acting this way, I'm going to just destroy you. And Moses prays and says, Lord, please, please. Go with us. 
and don't destroy them. Destroy me, Moses says. Destroy me in, in place of the people, but don't destroy them. And eventually God relents and he says, I will go with you. You say, what was it that the Israelites did? <laughs> it's quite extraordinary. So Moses is on the top of the mountain getting the Ten Commandments from God. He's away for 40 days. And the Israelites in 40 days forget about all the things that God has done. Because when you just know God's acts, the sword part of God, and you don't know God's heart, you can easily stray away from God. Because you're running after the next spectacular fix and so Moses is away for 40 days and eventually the people get bored and they say to Moses's brother Aaron make us a golden calf that we can worship and they take all their ornaments and gold and jewelry that they've plundered from the Egyptians Aaron melts it down and he engraves and makes and fashions a calf. And he says to them, this is the God that brought you out of Egypt. And they start partying and going into weird immorality and drunkenness and dancing around and worshiping this calf while Moses is on the mountain getting God's covenant and his commandments. I mean, it was just crazy. And, and God, that's why God said, let them go, but I, I can't go with you anymore. So the first thing is, if we know God's acts only, we will run after things that aren't God because we're not seeking God's heart. We're just seeking the latest spectacular wonder. And I want to tell you that in our modern day and age, there are many competing signs and wonders, not just from the devil, but from the world around us. There is so much that will attract you away from God. If you don't know his ways, you only know his acts. If you don't know his heart, you only know his hand. If you don't know the seed, you only know the sword. You will be pulled away very, very quickly. So let's read on. I'm going to jump ahead to verse 11. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face. Just an interesting thing, this word face and the word presence of God, where God says, my presence will not go with you. The word is the same word. It's panim. It means face. So it says, so the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. Moses knew the ways, the, the heart of God. And he would return to the camp, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tabernacle. So Joshua becomes the leader after Moses, and we see that he's the same as Moses. He wants to know God closely. He wants to know the heart and character, and he wants to love and relate to God, not just see what God can do for him. Moses spoke to him face to face. Verse 13, now therefore I pray, this is Moses speaking to God, therefore I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way. That's why in Psalm 103 it says Moses knew God's ways because he asked for them. Moses says, now Lord, please show me your way that I may know you that I may find grace in your sight and consider that this nation is your people. Moses was not content just to be a consumer of whatever product God could give him. He wasn't just going to look for the best deal and God gives me this, but maybe next week somebody else gives me something better. No, no. Moses wanted to know God. And he said, God, show me your way. And we know that God... 
did show him his way because in Psalm 103 it says, God made known his ways, his heart, his character, his essence to Moses. So the great point out of this verse is if you want to know God's way, you just ask for it. And he says, yes. Isn't that amazing? The God of creation, the great king of the universe says, if you ask me to know my heart, I will show you. Amazing. Right. I'm reading on. And God said, my presence will go with you, or my face will go with you, and I will give you rest. God relented because Moses didn't just want what God could give. He wanted to identify with God. He said, God, this is your people. Kill me if you need to, but please go with this people. And God said, ah, there's somebody who's got my heart and my mission. They have the same desires as I have. Now I will go with. And, and Moses amazingly changed God's mind. And he said, I will, my face, my presence will go with you. Then he said to him, if your presence or your face does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. In other words, he was saying, it's not enough just to see your acts, your sword. If you send an angel and does miracles, we don't care about that. We want you, Lord. We want to know you. He says, if your presence does not go up, don't send us. For how will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us? We want you, Lord. So we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people who are upon the face of the earth. Other nations had miracles and gods and magic and, and signs and wonders, but he wanted the character of God. So the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing that you have spoken. For you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. See, there's this relationship going on. Can I ask if you have a relationship with God, or is it just a transactional type of arrangement where you say, God, please answer this prayer. He says, okay. Or do you know him? Do you discuss things with him? And then verse 18, and Moses said, please show me your glory. He wants more. I love this about Moses. He presses in. He could have settled and said, okay, God, send your angel. But he said, no, God, we want you. He could have settled and said, God, thank you for showing me your way. But he says, no, I want your glory. He wants more. He wants to press in closer, further. And I want to say to you, dear friend, there is always more of God that you can experience. Always. It doesn't matter how much you know God, there is more. Amen? Press in. Say, God, I want more. I want your glory. And God loves this kind of, kind of prayer that's just so bold. Show me your glory. And listen to what God says. Then he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you. You see, God's glory is his goodness. It's not his judgment, his justice, his truth. His righteousness, although those are part of him, his glory is his goodness. I will cause my goodness to pass before me, and I will proclaim the name of Yahweh before you. I will proclaim my name, the name of the Lord before you. When God tells you his name, when you get an idea of his character, you get an idea of his ways, of who he is. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face, for no man shall see me and live. In other words, while we're in this earth, in this fleshly body, we can see 
something of God. We can see God in the face of Jesus. We can see a portion of God's face and his presence. But to see God fully, we will not live. It's like plugging a tiny little light bulb into all the power that comes out of a main nuclear power generator. It'll just blow. We can't see all of God, but we can always ask for more. And the Lord said, here is a place by me and you shall stand on the rock. So it shall be while my glory passes by that I will put you in the cleft of the rock. You see, God makes a way. The rock is God's word and Jesus. The cleft in the rock is Jesus being wounded for our transgressions. And when God gouged out the rock to make the tablets for the Ten Commandments, God says, I'll make a way to show you as much of myself as I can. Stand on the rock, stand on my word, ask for my glory. I will put you in the cleft of the rock. I will cover you with my hand while I pass by. Then I will take away my hand and you will see my back and my face, but my face shall not be seen. And this is what happened. Moses went up on the mountain. He stood on the rock. He said, God, I want to see you. I want to know you. I want to know your ways. I want to know your character, not just your deeds. And in verse five of the next chapter, it says, now the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord Yahweh. And the Lord Yahweh passed before him and proclaimed, Yahweh, Yahweh God, the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering, abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, some translations say thousands of generations, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation." Moses had an encounter with God. And I want to tell you, this wasn't the only encounter that Moses had with God. The Bible tells us a little later that every single day, Moses would go into his tent before the tabernacle was born, was built, or the actual tabernacle after it was built. And every time he did that, God's presence would come. The cloud and the fire of God's glory would be there. Moses would come out from there and his face was shining because he'd been in the presence of God. You see, when we get to know God's ways, something happens and we get linked to what God is doing. We become part of what he's doing. He uses us to do his acts or his swords or his deeds. And we start to display his glory to others. Amazing. But the children of Israel, they only saw the reflected glory in Moses' face. Are you the kind of person who thinks you're close to God because you hang around with people who are close to God? Or have you experienced the presence and the glory of God? So God used him. God used him to do the deeds that the children of Israel saw. They saw God through Moses and they said, wow, that's amazing. God used him to deliver the Ten Commandments. There's an amazing story in this. I don't have time to go into it now. But the first 40 days that Moses was on the mountain, God carved out the tablets of stone. God wrote the Ten Commandments on them. He gave them to Moses. Moses went down the mountain and he heard the sound of the Israelites partying in front of this gold calf. And he smashed the the tablets, the Ten Commandments. He broke them. 
And God said, I will give you another 10 commandments, but this time you have to cut them out of the rock yourself. And then I will write them. There's a whole story about God writes his laws on our hearts, but when we break them, we need to break our hearts and cut our hearts open again so God can write his commandments again on our hearts. And the second 40 days, Moses was up there for 40 days and he didn't eat anything or drink anything for 40 days, which is miraculous. No one can survive for 40 days without water, let alone food. But Moses was there 40 days. He got a second installment, the same 10 commandments written on different stones. And Moses wrote, it says God told him to write everything down. So not only did God write on the tablets of stone, but Moses wrote. And many, most people believe that's when Moses wrote Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the, the first five books of the Bible. He, he got an understanding of God's ways. He understood creation. Can you imagine? He's up there. He's thinking about the Israelites sinning and worshiping the golden calf. And God says, let me share some secrets. I want to tell you how the world started. Write this down. I want to tell you that in the beginning, I made seeds and those seeds had the life in them, enough life to produce an infinite number of seeds that could reproduce again. There was enough in those seeds. I put my ways into seeds. And Moses said, wow, that's amazing. And then God said, but Adam and Eve sinned. And so I had to get a sword and I had to kill an animal and make skins to cover their sin. And Moses said, wow. And God said, and then I had to exclude them from the Garden of Eden because if they had been in a sin nature but still lived forever, the whole world would have been destroyed. So I had to exclude them from the tree of eternal life. And I had to put a flaming sword to protect it. And Moses said, well, and what's happening is Moses is starting to see things and understand God's ways and how God does things. And I want to say to you, dear friend, Moses wrote it down for us. So that we can, like him, stand on the rock, say, Lord, show me your ways and your glory. And then we can read what God showed Moses and we can learn God's ways. Amen. Unfortunately, the children of Israel never got to the point where they said, God, I want to know you, not just your deeds, your acts. And so even though he had fed them with bread, sweet wafer-like bread every morning. Can you imagine? You don't have to go to the store to buy a croissant every morning. It's just there on the ground in front of you when you wake up. Sweet wafers. He gave them water out of rocks whenever they needed it. When they wanted some meat, he said, okay, I'll bring a flock of quail and you can have meat. When they were being attacked by enemies, he defeated the enemies and protected them. He said, I prepared a land flowing with milk and honey for you. But because they only knew the product of God and not the personality of God, when they were faced with giants in the promised land, they said, we cannot enter. They said, we can't do it. We can't get in. Moses said, you can, because I know God's heart. But the people who only know the, the acts of God and they don't know God's heart, as soon as there's opposition or there's hardship or there's something bad that happens, they are clueless. They don't know, is this God or is it the devil? Should I fight this or should I give up? 
because they don't know God's heart. And because they've always just been running after the products and the easy way, when there's opposition, instead of pursuing God's plan and beating the enemies, they give up. And I want to say to you and me, dear friends, today, we have an opportunity today. You know, God's word is written so that we can learn again and again in the New Testament. It says all those things were written for examples for us so that we can enter into these things. Daniel chapter 11 verse 32 will be true of us. Daniel eleven thirty-two 32 says those who know their God, who know their God, not just know about him or know his deeds or his acts or have seen some of what he's done. Those who know their God will be strong. It changes us. And then it says, and they will carry out great exploits. I don't know about you, but I don't want to always be the one who receives the miracle. I don't want to always be the one who sees God working and says, thank you, God, for healing me, for providing for me, for blessing me for doing something that amazes me. I want to be involved in producing the miracle. I want to be someone who knows my God. It makes me strong. And then I'm involved in carrying out great exploits for God. Because it's possible for us to get to the end of our lives. Matthew chapter 7. He says, many will come to me and say, Lord, we prophesied. We saw miracles. There were great things that happened. And he says, I never knew you. Depart from me. It's possible to be a person who only knows God's acts and you don't know his character and his ways. And at the end of time, you are surprised because he says, it wasn't about the miracles. I wanted you to know me. I wanted you to have a relationship with me. I wanted you to be like Moses who cried out, God, show me your ways. Amen. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcasts on iTunes. And please consider supporting this ministry financially by making a donation on the giving page of leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.